0: Before, the Lord spoke to one of my mentors, Doug, who start having gospel crusades in the hill country of South Asia. The Lord connected him with an indigenous church president in Hashimoto. They worked hand in hand to reach a forest of the forest this region, in areas where there were no Christians or churches at all. And as a result, there were 35,000 people are public Christ, and 93 churches of planted so that people can be disciplined. It's truly an for the prayer
1: You know, it's, it's amazing what God's doing in the nations, and that's just one country out of about ten that I'll be in this year. So I'm kind of all over the place, and I love what I get to do for the Lord. Isn't Jesus just amazing? Amen. Amen. Well, that was in, I didn't say in the video because I wanted to be able to put it on the internet and social media, but that was in Sri Lanka. And you may have heard of the terrorist attack that happened just recently over Easter Over 300 were killed. In the midst of all this extreme darkness, God is doing things like this. And the kingdom's advancing through the proclamation of the gospel, signs and wonders, and then churches are being planted. So I'm, I'm not, you know, so I've done five crusades in Sri Lanka. And on top of that, we've planted five churches attached to those crusades. That's kind of how we do the discipleship and follow up. So there's no churches. You're kind of forced to plant new ones. And so it's just an amazing story of God's faithfulness and his power, right? So October, I have another crusade and church plant in Sri Lanka. And it's really frontier pioneer mission work what's happening there. So it's really exciting. So, yeah. So I want to thank John and Kate. And can can we just honor them this morning? Yeah. Yeah. I've been here for about, what, eight or nine days, and it's just been so great catching up with family. I have 16 nieces and nephews, and I always want to be the coolest uncle, so I'm always buying them gifts and spending time with them, and I love them all much, all, all of them so much. They're all world changers, so, but John loves you guys, and I know great things are ahead. He's got so much vision. He loves all of you. He speaks to this church so highly, and so thanks for taking care of my brother, John. Uh, we're going to share a few, uh, kind of some missions updates. I, I think it was six weeks ago that I was here, and I shared like a brief missions update, and I, I talked about what the Lord's doing. But I was in Pakistan. I just got back from a month-long missionary journey. So this is in Pakistan, and we had a four nights of crusade, crusade meetings. We had over 20,000 common four nights of meetings and many thousands came to Christ. We're still waiting on the, the official decision card count because they fill out cards when they come to Christ. But we had a tremendous breakthrough in healing, signs and wonders, salvation. Uh, one quick story. This woman right here, this was, just, this was amazing. This young woman right here, she was mute for 18 years. For 18 years, she didn't speak one word. And, and I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a word of knowledge But when I was doing, you know, prayer and deliverance prayer and calling words of knowledge, and she said she felt her tongue loosen, and she began to speak for the first time in 18 years. We can give Jesus (laughs) praise for that. And, And you can't see her face, but her mother is standing to the left, and her mother confirmed the miracle. So that's how you can confirm it. You talk to their family members, people they grew up with, and so on. So from there, from Africa, oh, we also did pastors and leaders conferences in Pakistan. Many hundreds of leaders were poured into and filled the Holy Spirit. Many of them had no grid at all for spiritual gifts, and so it's such an honor to be able to invest in their lives. And from Pakistan, I went to Africa, and I was in Togo, Africa, which is a very small country to the west of Nigeria, and at Togo, there was a quick testimony from uh, Africa there was a young woman that had severe memory loss, okay? And this woman, she had such severe memory loss, she could not remember things more than five minutes at a time. You would tell her something, she would immediately forget. And she wasn't even at the meeting. She was walking on the street, because we had these, uh, this is our partnership with Christ for All Nations. They have these uh, gospel trucks. We take them all over the city before the main crusade with the Vang Daniel Kalinda. And so this woman was just walking by, and she, she, I was calling out words of knowledge again, and she just heard what I was saying. And I was calling about mental illness and, like, memory and so on. I was calling out that it was being healed. And as she's walking by in the street in the meeting, she heard this. She said she felt something cool enter her, her head and go through her body. And she said after that, all of her memory came back. And, and she said she was tormented her mind for many years, and she was totally in her right mind, praising God. So this is a picture of her right there. And that was... That's something that I haven't seen much of yet, but that's something I'm contending for is mental illness, autism, things like that. Because God's bigger than all these conditions, amen. Yeah. So yeah, from there I went to the the main uh FAN Crusade and this was have you ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda? Anybody? Okay. Nobody does, but that's okay. So Reinhard Bonnke, he's considered like the Billy Graham of Africa. Like he's laid down his life. And he, because of all of his ministry has been in Africa, not many people in the States know about him. But in Africa, he's a household name. So he spent 40 years building up this ministry called Christ for All Nations. And then he gave it to a younger man named Daniel Kalenda. So I, I learned from Daniel for one year. Then Daniel helped launch my ministry a couple years ago. So this isn't one of my crusades, but this is a Christ for All Nations crusade. And I, wasn't, I was just going to attend because Daniel's a mentor in my life. And he, you know, he helps me learn. And I, he's a coach. But the second night, I mean, you can't even see the whole crowd, but there was 90,000 people there, 90,000. And there was no giveaways, no gimmicks. The only only, uh, way to get people there is just the raw power of the gospel. It's healings, miracles, signs and wonders, change hearts and lives. So the second night, uh, Daniel let me do the whole healing prayer. You know, it spent about 10 minutes praying for the sick and then about 10 minutes taking up healing testimonies. And that night was such a huge honor. Uh, That night, I heard some great testimonies. There was a woman who was involved in a car accident. And because of that, she could not walk for one year. And as a result, she was healed. A woman who was paralyzed, she couldn't even walk to the field. She was completely paralyzed. And Jesus touched her and healed her body. And now she can walk perfectly. Those are just a few quick, I could share dozens of testimonies, just some quick testimonies of what God just did in the last couple of weeks. He's pouring out his spirit all over the world. Um, I have a newsletter. Some of you signed up for it about five or six weeks ago. Don't worry. I am going to add you. Um, I just brought on a, a staff member just because I travel a lot and just with the admin work and so on. So the ministry is growing. It's expanding. Um, if you want to sign up for my newsletter, just head out the doors after the service to the, to the right. And there's a table and you can fill out your information. I would love to. There's exciting updates, what God's doing in the nations. There's testimonies. There's prayer points, how you can be praying with God for what God's doing. There's um, devotions and so on. So, amen. It's a quick missions update. Can you bow and close your eyes? So, Lord, we just love you so much. And, Lord, you know that I'm very weak in myself. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come. And I just pray for your anointing. And I pray you touch everyone in this place. And I pray the message you've given me would touch every heart. We thank you for touching We thank you for this church. We thank you that it's a light in San Dimas. We thank you for this community. We thank you for the greater Los Angeles area. And we thank you for what you're going to do in our lives ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, 16 years old was a defining moment in my life. You ever had a defining moment and everything changes? Well, for me, I grew up in the church. And in my teenage years, I just kind of, you know, I would still stand up for God, but he felt very far away because my heart was divided. I'm like, I kind of wanted God because I didn't want to go to hell, and I just kind of like this worldly stuff that, you know, the teenagers sometimes end up doing, and I was kind of torn back and forth. And then when I was 16 years old, I found myself going to this revival in Pensacola, Florida called the Brownsville Revival. And I went there, and I, it, it blew my mind how people would wait in line from. 5 o'clock in the morning to get into a 7 p.m. service all day long in the hot Florida sun. And when I went in, and for the first time I felt like in my whole life, I actually felt the presence of God. And I fell under deep conviction as this evangelist named Steve Hill started preaching the gospel. And I didn't walk, but I ran up to the front. And my life just completely changed. Like, I was a different person. So I'm at the height of this spiritual experience. And then three weeks later, I want to be very vulnerable with you this morning. Three weeks later, I had a tragedy happen in my family. It's the hardest thing I've ever been through by far. So three weeks later, this is in, in uh, August. No, was it was July twenty fourth, uh, nineteen ninety seven. I'm, I'm outside painting the house, and I get a phone call, and they said, "Paul, your father's been in a very serious car accident. You need to go to the hospital right away." I said, "Oh no, it sounds pretty serious. My dad must have broken his arm or broken his leg." And so I jump in this red Ford Escort with my brother David, and we're just, it's about a 15-minute drive to the hospital, and I'm like, oh no, like, what's happening? This is, it sounds pretty serious, but they wouldn't tell me how serious it was. So I'm really worried. I'm like, how bad is it? You know, must have broken something, must be pretty serious. So I get to the hospital, the hospital parking lot, and my youth pastor meets me in the parking lot. His name is Pastor Mike. And I had an incredible youth pastor, and so he... As we're walking into the hospital, he said something to me I'll never forget. He said, Paul, today your father died in a car accident. Three weeks after, I'm at this height of spiritual experience, and then I'm way down here. And, I, and I, honestly, I was in shock. Like, I didn't want to believe what I just heard. So, and I didn't say anything. So, as we walked in the hospital, we'd go the this hallway, this next hallway, and they open the door, and there's my father's body, and he's wrapped blood everywhere and no life in his body. And then finally, that's when reality hit me. I'm like, I no longer have a father. And I just started weeping, you know, and went through that whole grieving process, you know. And, you know, God's really helped me through that, you know. And he's, he's really showing me that he's a father to the fatherless. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about sonship. You know, we We live in a fatherless generation, and if you don't have a father or if you have an absent father in your life, I can relate to you because I don't have a father, but the thing about this issue is this. We get our identity from our father, and because of this, we have a whole generation that doesn't know who they are because this lack of connection between a father and a son or father and a daughter. And I think, you know, this identity issue, because that's what it is, an identity issue, a father's generation, it can manifest itself in different ways. In ways like with sexuality, like confusion with gender, and all these things that are happening today in our culture. You know, many believers don't have a full revelation of who they are. And if you don't know who you are, you'll act more like an orphan than a son or a daughter. And we need to walk We need to walk out our identity in Christ. And the first scripture I have for you, which is so powerful, and we're going to kind of unpack it this morning, is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. And it says this. It says that God, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Now, you may say, well, what is sonship? Sonship is the relationship, the close relationship, between a, a father and a son. Now, this verse is powerful because what this means is this. Bef- it means before the creation of the world, God had you in mind, and he decided to adopt you into his family through Jesus Christ. Now, in the natural, God's perfect, his, his plan, his, the way he designed it to be, is that a, a husband and wife would come together and do the deed, okay and the result of that the result of that intimacy is children right now an example well john and kate (laughs) 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 i'm not married i don't have kids i can't talk about it okay they had it all planned out to have three children okay and i don't know if they actually like talked about it but i know from what i've heard they had a plan to have three children okay okay they had it all planned out. Like every two years, you know, family planning, two years apart, that's the way you should do it, right? So they had Judah, Creed, Haven. And then five years later, they had a huge surprise. Huge <laughs> surprise. Now, I have a video I'm going to show you that not many people have seen, but you're going to see it. And I think you going to like it a lot. Now, Kate, I guess she loves surprises. And she, they were at a barbecue get-together six years ago In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Kate had a big announcement. Now, keep in mind that nobody in this video knew this announcement, not even John. Okay? (laughs) Now, so if we could go ahead and play that video, it's about one minute long, and I want you to watch John's face as Kate, (laughs) as Kate gives this huge announcement. Go ahead and play it, please. (laughs) <laughs> now, now you have to remember, in that one minute, John is processing, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a father for the fourth time. And Kate, she's amazing, but she totally hid it from John. But it all worked out for the good, right? So they had it all planned out. They had three kids, and then four kids, and then what happened? A couple years later, they had another surprise. <laughs> and it came with a form of a baby named Shepherd. okay? And they... <laughs> they have not been in, they weren't initially planned by them but they were planned by God and they were planned in the heart of God before the beginning of time amen, amen. amen. and i can't imagine life right now without remedy and shepherd i think they're just the cutest kids ever and i'm a very proud uncle <laughs> ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 it says he predestined us from adoption to sonship okay now let's talk about adoption now the reason adoption is a powerful thing is because in adoption, the parents choose the child, okay? That means that God chose us. It means he's, he's chosen John, and he's chosen this sir right here, and he's, he's chosen you, and he's cho- chosen all of us. He's like up in heaven, and he's, he's pointing, and he's, he's chosen us. Adoption is powerful because in adoption, the parents choose the child, okay? That means he chose us. It means that God wanted us. It means that God wanted you to be a part of his family. That's an amazing thing. Ephesians 1.11 says, in him we were also chosen. He's chosen us. And God has adopted us as sons and daughters. That brings great value to every one of us in this place. Now let's talk about the difference between orphans and Versus sons and daughters. Now, an orphan, they have no parents, no inheritance, they, they don't know their identity, okay? They often don't even know who their parents are. Now, think about this if you don't know who, you're, who you are, you'll live your life by performance and the opinion of man. And many do in their life. You will feel like you have to work really hard to become something because you don't see your, your value, you don't see your worth. You have this gnawing feeling that you just don't measure up. That no matter what you do, it's never good enough. That you're not smart enough and maybe you lack confidence or you lack, you have insecurity. The thing about orphans is orphans feel like they're always in competition with one another. You know, you're maybe your friend, maybe they've got a, you know, nicer car. Maybe you drive a Toyota and they drive a Lexus, Right? Or maybe you've got a three-bedroom house, and you've always wanted a four-bedroom house so you can have guests come. Or maybe you're, you know, you've got a few kids, but you wish you had somebody else's kids. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or maybe that person's getting promoted at work, and you're not. And you feel like you have to strive to make connections. So you feel like you're Somebody can just be connected to that person. Then people will know I'm somebody. And instead of dwelling on our strengths, we often dwell on our weaknesses. And we f- if we're not careful, we can filter all of life's experiences through what I call an orphan mentality. And we won't empower people around us because we're afraid that their life or their ministry will overshadow ours. I've seen it happen time. Even in the ministry, I've seen it all over the world, and you feel like you have to strive to get anything from God. Listen, you get nothing in the kingdom through striving. You know how you get things in the kingdom; you receive it as a gift, as a son. You know when it comes to Christmas time or my birthday, I don't have to strive to get any gifts. I get a gift because I'm loved and I'm accepted. And you know how you get a gift as a son. You just receive it. You receive it as a son. It's easy. There's grace, but when you have this orphan mentality, you, feel you have to work really hard to get anything from God. You'll get nothing from the Lord by striving. It comes through rest. That's a whole other message in itself. Sons and daughters—they just receive. But with people with an orphan mentality, they have no legacy. Um, you know, leaders with an orphan mentality, they often build monuments to themselves and they don't think about the next generation. You see, in the kingdom, everything should grow in God. Everything should grow. Everything should multiply in God. Now, as a son or daughter, we have an inheritance. We have an identity. We know who we are. We live our lives not by the opinion of man, but what God thinks about us. And the exciting thing is this. We get to walk in kingdom authority because we represent the king. Because Jesus paid the price. He paid the price so we could be sons and daughters, so we could walk in the kingdom. And we freely give what's been given to us so the kingdom advances. An example, and I think you have the picture, is who I spoke about earlier, Reinhard Bonnke and Daniel Kalenda. Reiner Bunke, the founder of Christ for All nations, he, his ministry has led over 78 million people to Christ with decision cards filled out and f- tens of thousands of churchmen planted all over Africa um, He lit 40 years he's laid down his life for the gospel so he's older he's just turned 79 years old he, ju- he gave the ministry nine years ago to a younger man to his left, named uh, to your right, Daniel Kalenda. When he was 26 years old, Ryan Harbonki had this baton. He gave it to Daniel. I said, "Daniel, I'm giving it to you." And Dan, instead of Daniel, instead of Daniel having to spend 40 years building a ministry from scratch, he's able to take that 40 years, and he's able to t- t- to walk on. He's able to step on top of Bonky's shoulders and take it to the next level. That's the kingdom. You see, you know why Bonky can do that? Because he knows he's a son. And he doesn't preserve and protect what God's given to him. He, gives, he freely gives it away to the next generation. Because everything in God should grow. And everything in God should multiply. Are you guys with me this morning? Yeah. And Daniel Kalenda is standing on Reinhard Bonnke's shoulders. You see, many of us should be spiritual fathers and, mo- and mothers by now. I'm talking about myself, too, because I've been doing this for for a while. Ever since I was 16 years old, 38, I think I look much younger. (laughs) But because of an orphan mentality, we're we're still often, we still try to protect and preserve what God's given to us. Instead of giving it to the next generation and raising up the next generation. And freely giving away what God's given to us. Romans 8, 17 says this. This is a powerful scripture. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, what's an heir? You think about a kingdom. Think about a king and a queen. When they pass away, what happens to all their possessions, all their kingdom? The heir gets the kingdom. Everything that's been built up over their entire life through generation, 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 it's it's been given to the next generation. You're an heir. This says that you are... If we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. This is powerful because when you're, when you're an heir, you have an inheritance. And our inheritance is the kingdom of God. What an incredible in- inheritance. As a son or daughter of the king, we have full, this means we have full access to the kingdom of heaven because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And, but we can't walk in kingdom power if we don't know who we are. And I really believe this is such a I, – I, when I was a, I was a middle school pastor for five years, and I'll never forget, I briefly spoke on this topic. For, it was a talk, a like ten-minute talk. God wants to be a father in your life. He's a father of the fatherless. Share my story. I had middle school boys weeping at the altar. Because many of them, their fathers were in jail. They had no relationship, absent fathers. It, it, and you may, you may be 60, 70, 80 years old, and this can still be a really raw topic in your heart. Because we're, we're made to connect with our father. We're made for, to, be, to have this, this thing of sonship. It's, it's God put this in our heart. It's in our DNA. And I, I really believe the enemy is terrified for us to have this revelation. Because when you find out the fullness of who you are, you get to walk in the kingdom of God. And things start happening. And you see, and when you walk in the kingdom, you know what you do? You destroy Satan's kingdom. and He hates it. And, you know, we have to overcome orphan mindsets. Orphan mentality. Like this. Like when it comes to identity, think about this. When you come to Christ... You're no longer a lowly sinner anymore. You know how people often say, Oh, brother, I'm just a, a lowly sinner saved by grace. You know that Paul never addressed believers as sinners? He addressed them as saints. Because something happened in their heart, something happened in their nature. To where, what's the scripture? Your nature has changed. You become a new creation. Old things pass away, but all things become new. You are a new creation. And if you still think of yourself as just a lowly sinner, guess what? You're going to act like a lowly sinner. When your heart and everything has changed, he's made all things new. You go from a, when you come to Christ, you go from a sinner to a saint. A saint that sometimes sins. Doesn't mean we're all perfect. We're all in a process. I'm still in a process, just like all of you. But our nature has changed. And we need to begin, begin to walk that out. Um, I'll share a quick story and I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up. You know, does somebody know who Todd White is? He's a powerful street evangelist. Okay, you after this this week, do a YouTube search, Todd White Evangelist. You'll see videos that will blow your mind. I was at a house meeting with Todd White. Um, few years ago and there's about 40 people, which is pretty rare. Like he only does like big stadium events and he does big, big meetings, you know, he's the Lord's really using him. He's almost like the face of a new Jesus movement in America, in my opinion. And I talked to a young man before the meeting, and I just kind of mingling, and I spent about 10 minutes talking to a young man before the meeting named Alex. And at this meeting lots of unbelievers were there. And I don't know why, but sometimes people just like spill the marbles to me. They just open their life up and just share. And so he just spilled the marbles. Okay. He told me like his life story in like 10 minutes. And the story was so shocking to me, I almost didn't believe it. And this is the way he's, he said, Paul, I didn't, I didn't grow up in the church. I don't know what to believe. I don't know who God is. I don't know if he's a woman. I don't know if he's a tree. I don't own a Bible. I don't know anything. I was invited to this meeting, and I just felt led to come here. So here I am. And then he told me this story about his father. Out of the blue. He said, Paul, he said, I've never met my father. He said, well, my mother became pregnant, and my father got scared and he left, and we've never heard from him again. And he, he um, but he knew what his father looked like, because his mother would share, show him pictures. Because when he was like five, six years old, he's like, mother, like, where's my father? Like, the other boys have fathers, and like, where's mine? And she told him the story of how I'm so sorry, but Father left before you were born, and he was scared, and she didn't try to make him look bad, but just the reality of what happened. But she would show him all these pictures, like this is who your father when they were dating and, and so on. And he told me this story. One day, Alex was at a department store, and he saw a man that looked exactly like the man in the pictures. And he was almost certain it was his father. So he ran home. He was about 16 years old. He pulled out all the old pictures. His mom showed him when he, when he was younger. And he talked to his mom, and, he's, and she's like, well, if it's the same man that you see in this picture, that's your father. So he found his father working at a department store five minutes from his house. And you know what he would do? He would, he would often go to that department store, and he would just watch his father work. Sit down on a bench, just kind of walk down the aisles, he would watch his father work. But because of so much rejection, so much abandonment, so much fear, he never had the courage to go up to his father. And, so, and he knew it wasn't possible, but he said he, he would think somehow, some way that hopefully his father would recognize him. That he would want to go up to him. and He would want to say, hey, I want to be a part of your life. Let's go, go to a movie. Let's get some ice cream. Let's hang out. He was always hoping, wishing, longing. That his father would somehow recognize him, but it never happened. And so that, that night, Todd White, guess what he spoke on? Identity. That God wants to be a father to the fatherless. And I, I, the whole time I'm praying, Lord, open Alex's eyes. This is exactly what he needs to hear. And then at the end, of the, during the prayer time, I went up to Alex And I said, Alex, like, what is God doing something in your life? And he's like, did you tell Todd what I told you? (laughs) I said, no, I I, I didn't tell him anything. He's like, oh my gosh. He's like, that was like my life. He just shared my life story. That's me. And he started weeping. This totally unsaved person. Didn't know anything about God. Broken by this revelation that God is a father to the fatherless. And I just gave him a big hug. I said, Alex. God loves you, he cares for you, he'll never leave you, he'll never abandon you. He is a father to the fatherless. And in this moment, he's just crying all over the place, you know, my shoulders getting wet. I said, in this moment, I said, Alex, do you want to give your life to Jesus right now? He said, yes. I lead him a prayer of salvation. Radically born again. The next day, he sends me a text message. We exchange phone numbers so we could follow up with one another. Paul, I don't really fully understand what happened yesterday, but I feel like a brand new person. That's what this message can do. It changes hearts and lives. Sonship. Identity. What brought, Felix, what brought Alex to Christ? The love of his heavenly father. He had a revelation of sonship. And it forever changes life. We're sons and daughters of the king. God chose you to be part of his family. He doesn't make mistakes. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are called to ministry. Go ahead. And you may say, oh, I'm a teacher. Or, you know, I'm a plumber or whatever you do in your occupation. You are called to ministry. You know what John's job is? It's a big job. You know what my job is? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do you know why you're all called to ministry? It's because you're all called to make disciples. Every single one of you. You're called to ministry. Okay, now, this is so key. Please stay with me. I'm closing in a few minutes. Let's see what Jesus heard from his father before he ever started his ministry. Okay. Now, before Jesus turned water into wine, Okay. before he walked in the water, before he multiplied the loaves and fishes, okay, this is what happened. in Mark, I think we have a slide. Mark 1, 11. Before Jesus started his earthly ministry, this is what happened. He was, being ba- he was being baptized by John the Baptist, and this is what he heard from heaven. And the Father's voice came. The, the, a voice came from heaven and said, you are my son. With you I love. And with you I am well pleased. And then what happened? After this, then Jesus was led into the wilderness, and he was tempted, and then he started his earthly ministry. That's powerful. How many of us are trying to do life ministry without this revelation? And the revelation is this: you are his son or daughter. With you, I am well pleased. With and you, I love. That's powerful. And you know what God's saying to you today? The same thing that he told Jesus, that you are his son or daughter, that he's chosen you. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you to live in this season in time, in history. He chose you. We're living in exciting times, that he loves you. You know that God, of course, God has to love you, right, John? He, because, you know, John 3, 16, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, right? He has to love us because he's God. But you know that God likes you? He likes you. He likes what makes you, you. He loves your personality. He loves all of your little quirks. He loves that you like brownies. (laughs) You can eat brownies with Jesus, okay? It's okay. It's okay. He likes what makes you, you. So stop thinking of yourself as less than because, man, Jesus, He did it all. He's created you. He's chosen you. And we also need to hear this, that last part. With you, I am well pleased. Even in the middle of your struggles, even when you're in the process, God's saying to me, you know what? I'm pleased with you. Sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves when we're in a process, right? When we struggle. If you could just see the Father's heart for you this morning, what he thinks about you, God can take pleasure in you, even in your weakness. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. You're God's masterpiece. And I'm not saying you've never heard a message like this before, but I really think when I teach things like this, I, people, people's understanding go from here and they start looking at themselves differently. I love this scripture. For creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. This is powerful. You know what this says? The greater LA area, I don't know what your county is called, but the greater LA area is waiting for you to come into your fullness as your identity as a son or daughter. That's what this is saying. Okay. They're waiting in eager expectation for you to come into the fullness of who you are, to have this to have this revelation, so you can begin to walk in the kingdom and destroy Satan's kingdom. Eager expectation. They're waiting for you to come into the fullness of your identity in Christ. That's powerful. I really believe when you get this revelation, everything changes. God has again strategically placed you in hit in and this time in history for a reason. Do you know why? To show people the love of the Father. You know, when I started in ministry, I was very, I was very, how can I say this? I mean, I love people, but I had a, I had a let's just say this, I had a grow in my love, right? I had lots of zeal, but I, I cared more about the truth than the person staying right in front of me, right? And then I actually learned, like, the Father's heart and how he actually deeply loved people. Everything changed, right? But your purpose on this earth is to show the love of the Father. Bill Johnson said this. He said, the whole focus of heaven is to reveal the Father through sons and daughters. The whole focus of heaven is to reveal the Father through sons and daughters. Okay now you may see, okay, maybe the Lord's been speaking to you this morning. And you say, Man, Paul, I, I need this greater revelation that I'm a son, that I'm a daughter, that God's my father, that this whole thing about sonship. So you may say, How can I apply it to my life? Number one, replace lies about your identity with God's truth. Speak the word of don't when you read the word, don't just read it. Apply it. Speak it over your life. It's a sword. And you know, the Lord rebuked me a couple years ago. I say, like, Paul, I've given you a sword. And I want you to use it. I said, okay. And I started declaring things over my life more. And I noticed things begin to change because of that. God's given us a sword. Let's begin to use it, a spiritual sword. Second thing, make biblical declarations. Fill your heart. Again, how you, how you can apply this message. Make declarations. Fill your heart and your mind with truth. I have a book right here that I read more than any other book in my life by a pastor at Bethel, his name is Steve Backlund, and it's called Declarations. And this book has hundreds of biblical declarations of things that I speak over my life to remind myself that I am a son, to remind myself that I am a son of the king, that I am a co-heir with Christ, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you know what happens? The enemy, he's always lying to us about who you are, that you're not good enough, you don't have what it takes. But you're not smart enough. And you're not good-looking enough. You're not gifted enough. You're not talented enough. And you destroy these lies with God's truth. When you speak it over your life, and you make these declarations, it's a powerful thing. You could go on the internet, do a search, and just do identity in Christ, and you'll find tons of declarations. Start speaking the word over your life. There's a worship song that I believe the worship team will play in just a moment. It's called No Longer Slaves. Now, do you know that even in worship songs, that you're worshiping God, but you're also declaring things over your life? And I think God even raises up worship leaders to write songs for the body because we're not declaring things. We're not declaring truth over our life. So this song is very powerful. It says, you unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies. Till all my fears are gone. Listen to this. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Declaration. I am a child of God. Declaration. I am no longer a slave to fear. Declaration. I am a child of God. From my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name. I've been born again into a family.
0: And you're speaking
1: the truth of God over your life. How powerful is that? And the, the last point about how to apply this to your life. And this isn't a typical message for me. Okay, I'm a missionary evangelist. I like to bring the fire and bring the heat. Okay, and, t- and this morning I'm more of a teacher, but it's okay. The last one is renew your mind. This is, so, this is the, one of the greatest keys to successful Christian living, is renewing your mind. Easier said than done. Changing the way you think about yourself and changing the way you think about God. Be transformed. You know how you change? Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Read Joyce Meyer's book, The Battlefield of the Mind. It'll change your life. My friend, if you don't control your thoughts, your thoughts will gladly control you. So you better take control of that. Why do you think we have the helmet of salvation? Because we've got to protect this thing right here. Don't let the enemy in with these lies. He's always, er, literally every single day, the enemy tells me I'm not good enough. Paul, how can you be a crusade evangelist? You're not good enough. You're not a good enough communicator. You can't raise the funds. You can't do this. You can't do that. He's always lying, lying, lying. And I have to remind myself who I am. And I'm called for this. I'm anointed for this. Before I was created in my mother's womb, he had called me. He had chosen me for what I'm doing right now. What is God calling you to do right now? Maybe he's asking you to step out in faith and start a small group. Start a new ministry that can be burned out of this ministry. I'll give a quick example of, of renewing your mind and then we'll close this up. Years ago, I spoke at a, a revival. And this is when I was just first starting being more of a you know communicator, public speaker. And there was about 600 people there, which is pretty decent size conference and an event, and I was so nervous, and I really wanted to do a good job, I spent the whole week praying, fasting, seeking God, I go to the revival, start speaking flat, I feel nothing, I feel no anointing, I'm like, why did I say that, that was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life, like, my thoughts were, like, everywhere, I, I was not focused, I felt like... And at the end, 40 people had, like, miracles and healing happen. Heart conditions, arm problems, any problem you can think of, 40 people were healed. All I could think about was my performance, how well I communicated, how good my message was, and how I felt like I bombed big time. Instead of focusing on what I did, I was focusing on myself. I was thinking more like an orphan mentality. son. And for a week I was literally depressed. I'm like, I suck. Can I say that word? <laughs> Terrible. Like the enemy is like, Paul, like, what are you doing? You can't do crusades. You can't even speak at a revival. Like, what are you doing? And then finally, after a week of being tormented, my brain. son and an orphan and the thing about this is this and this is why I'm sharing this story I had a decision to make I could choose to live my life by performance or I could choose to be a son now as a son sometimes you can preach well sometimes you don't but in the end I'm still successful because I'm still a son could all, if you could all stand up in this place, and if you could do me a favor and bow your head and close your eyes, you know, perhaps you're here this morning, an evangelist, I just can't help myself, if you need to get your heart right with God, this is a beautiful opportunity, no pressure here, there's no, no hype, it's just you and Jesus, if you came in here today, and if you, if you're away from God, and if you need forgiveness, man, this is a great way to receive the love of the Father. So, if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, on the count of three, if you need forgiveness, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. There's hands going up all over this place. Maybe about a dozen or so. Okay, now, the, the second group here. If you need a greater revelation of sonship, listen, I, I, I know you, you probably have an element of knowing that you're a son, knowing your daughter, but. If when I spoke this message, it just struck a chord in your heart, and you know you need some breakthrough in this area, if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand, because I want to pray for you. One, two, three. Again, hands up, both of this, please. If you guys could, could look up at me. For the creation, for the greater L.A. area, waits an eager expectation for you to come out of your shell, for you to walk so if that's you, if you replied, if you raise your hand for number one or number two, I want to pray for you. And the prayer team wants to pray I want to pray for a breakthrough this morning. Some of you have mindsets, mentality not God, holding you back. I'm telling you, I'm I'm bleeding out for a breakthrough for you this morning. That you can get rid of these old mindsets step in the identity as a son. So if that's you, for number one, number two, I'm gonna invite you to come right now and just come up to the front and just spend some time with your father today. And we're going to go around. And pray for you. So come on up to the front if you would. If you raise your hand for number one, number two. Don't be shy. It's okay. Guys, it wasn't until a couple years ago that I really, this message that I'm speaking today really made sense to me. And I was ministering for many years. Lord's like, Paul, you need to step into your identity work. If you raise your hand for number one, if you need to get your heart right with God, I want to invite you to just pour your heart to him right now. Just speak to him. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to give you my heart. give my life. Number two, say, Lord, give me the revelation of my father. Say, Lord, take away these, these mindsets that aren't from you. I'm not an orphan, I'm a son. And if it were, if the prayer team could come on up and just start praying,
0: grabble me.